and welcome to the Practices Made Perfect podcast, your go-to source for all the latest innovations in marketing, technology, team, culture, and more, geared specifically to independent practice owners and brought to you by DVM Elite, the industry leaders with game-changing strategies and life-changing connections for private practice owners. So why this? We are facing very different problems now. Uh, and the problems, uh, this difference of problems is accelerated by technology. And so what does this mean? You know, previously the problems that we were looking at were in many ways, physical problems. You know, how do we, how do we fix a tool? How do we, you know, till the land, you know, those sorts of problems. And now the problems that we're facing are very abstract. You know, it, it's, um, it's putting abstract ideas and concepts together in a way that's different than previously and accelerating uh, at a faster rate. And secondly, you know, why this and why you is that you and I, whether we like it or not, or are tremendously influential uh, and huge role models, uh, coaches and leaders. And so I feel the, really the pressure to make sure that I have the clear thinking because if I am muddled in my thinking or misguided, then that misguided concept is going to be spread uh, like a ripple effect down the line, whether I realize it or not. And so I think, you know, what we do with this on a monthly basis is in fact, what we're going to see creates the, um, the exceptional you know, successes and abilities and mindsets of folks versus those that are not participating in this and not exploring these new ideas. So let's just make sure we have a clear thinking together. And then finally, you know, AI is becoming very real uh, and it's very predictable where it's going. And so, uh, you know, personally, I, I am blown away by where AI is right now, just, just where it is today. And thinking about where it's going to be in five years, I mean, it's, it's really going to be changing anything. The, the things that we talked about a couple of years ago about AI starting to do writing, writing contracts, uh, you know, <laughs> it's amazing right now. I was experimenting with an AI uh, person that you're able to basically uh, type in what you want them to say. And the person looks almost real and sounds almost real. And just take a little note of this in your book and to look it up afterwards, look up uh, the, the uh, just, just Google deep fake, look up deep fake on YouTube. And basically what it is, is it's like Tom Cruise talking but it's not actually Tom Cruise. It's the AI looking like Tom Cruise, but someone else is talking. And then the AI makes that person look like Tom Cruise. And I mean, it looks exactly like Tom Cruise and all the flaws and all the, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. And if you actually think about this deep fake concept, how scary it is, because you could be seeing a speech of Biden, for example, and you think it's Biden or, or Putin, you know, uh, and in fact, it's an AI that looks exactly like Putin and is, almost impossible to be able to tell a difference. So in terms of AI, we have to start to understand that where AI is gonna be going is in the specialties. And previously, what would make a human super valuable is that they could do this very small thing to a very high degree. But now in fact, AI is able to do those small things to a much higher degree than a person can and so that's actually lessening the value of that specialization. But what can AI not do, at least currently or for this foreseeable future, is they, they have much more difficulty 
mixing ideas together and being in this creative process uh, because they just simply don't have the actual experience, but they have the experience through the reading uh, that they're able to do. So here's the five key principles of being a specialist versus a generalist. And this is really adapted by this book, Range, which is thought-provoking because it takes the opposite spectrum of the uh, requirements to be a specialist to be a success. And so this is kind of an opposite view. And I have a, 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 a reconciled kind of opinion review at the end of going through this deeply. So let's jump in. So number one is that specializing specialization uh, works for specific fields. So this is this is a very good nuance that I, I didn't really fully appreciate. So when does specialization works? Well, it works when there's a very clear set of rules. It works when there's very clear feedback in terms of whether you're successful or not successful. Uh, it works when there's repeating patterns so that the specialist is able to recognize those patterns and then act on those. And just think of the sports of chess and golf. You know, they're very, they're very predictable. Uh, take a chess, there's rules, there's patterns. And so being a specialist, you know, learning chess as a child, focusing just on chess, chess, you can be, you know, a chess genius and a chess guru uh, and be very successful at that. However, also, as we know, uh, uh, AI now beats every single human in chess uh, without even any sort of competition because they are specialists of specialists. And in the same way, if there's clear rules and clear uh, uh, patterns, they're going to dominate it. So when does specialization fail? And this was very interesting. When there's ambiguous rules, ambiguous feedback, ambiguous patterns. And I would say, you know, this is in many ways the difference between business and medicine. Now, medicine can certainly be ambiguous, uh, absolutely. Uh, but I think that in, in, on the business side, and I think this is why, and I've seen it, that specialists in medicine are the worst in business because the, 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 the range of knowledge is so particular that there's a lack of general experience to then be able to adapt within the ambiguous rule set, which is business. And, you know, as we know, some of these decisions and even the ones that come from the, you know, DVM elite practice elite community, right? We don't know before we do them whether they're going to work or not because the patterns are very different. Uh, and so the specialization would be, and just, just take, for example, uh, an economist, right? So economists who are specialists in the economy, in fact, make lousy investors <laughs> because the, the patterns are not actually repeatable in the same way. And they're very ambiguous in terms of rules and ambiguous in terms of feedback. So cool. All right, let's keep marching on. So number two, and you know, this is very interesting, is that the, um, or actually this is still number one, but what I've learned from studying military, military history is that the great military and entrepreneurial achievers were rule breakers. So for example, Genghis Khan, right? You know, there was a rule that basically nobody would conduct war in the wintertime. Everyone just hold up in their kind of castle type, you know, uh, towns. Uh, but Genghis Khan didn't play by those rules. He came from the steppe and he would come with his horses down the Danube, right in the middle of Europe, in the middle of winter, which was iced over. So it was like a highway and no one was expecting it. And that rule breaking, in fact, was enabled them to be able to change the game. Um, same with... Um, Alexander the Great, uh, same with, um, oh, it's slipping my mind, uh, oh, it's right, oh, Hannibal, uh, same with Hannibal, they, they both took the path, 
that nobody expected them to take across the Alps. Uh, and that was the rule breaking aspect. And so AI would have never made that decision. Uh, and normal people would not have that are specialized in war, but these, these folks thought in a very lateral way. Cool. So next, those that participate in the modern world have higher IQs. <laughs> so they did a fascinating study in Russia where they had basically peasants that were completely outside of the modern world. And then they had those that were in the cities, uh, just both had no education. And those that were in the cities would score higher on abstract thinking via the IQ test than those that were totally in an uh, uncivilized uh, area. And so what's interesting is that what is, what is abstract thinking, just so that we know clearly. So on the left here, we have the Statue of Liberty, which is the actual thing. So that's the fact. On the right, we have what does the, ab, the uh, Statue of Liberty stand for? Freedom, justice, liberty. And what we can, as we go into the digital world, in fact, we things are not concrete, things are digital. So we deal in symbols and symbols are entirely abstract thinking. So to know that this little symbol is a symbol of a phone uh, is abstract thinking. So our modern world is pushing us into thinking abstractly, not thinking concretely as a specialist, yet in our educational system and in my mindset prior to really learning this, you know, the data, we continue to force putting blinders on and specializing. So in other words, maybe you're different than me, but at least coming into this, I was engineered by the old world thinking of what was working in the past, when in fact, we're transitioning very quickly into a modern kind of ultra modern world, which is going to require different, very different thinking. Uh, so number three, so let's get into some data. And um, we'll go on the left first. So narrow thinking obscures your results. So uh, I'll just read out, for example, cardiologists use stents, which we know, uh, metal tubes that hold blood vessels open to treat chest pain so often that they often do so reflexively, even in situations that may be dangerous or inappropriate. Uh, in a Harvard study, it found that patients with cardiac arrest or heart failure were actually less likely to die if they were admitted to the hospital while top cardiologists were away. <laughs> How about that for some uh, uh, for some for some data? So, and of course, you know the famous quote by a number of different uh, folks, but to someone with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So, the specialist is going to look for a specific outcome, regardless of the broad facts and uh, opportunities to be able to solve that. So, narrow thinking obscures your results, and then. Uh, you know, number, and, and this also has to do with being an outsider. And so in a study, uh, in, a, in another study, basically, uh, private equity investors were asked to provide an assessment of businesses they were considering investing in, including their estimated return on the investment. The investors were then asked to write notes about some other projects that were similar. Uh, it turned out that the investors' estimates of returns for the business they were actually planning to invest in. <laughs> so when they're assessing the ones that they already had an interest in, they were about 50% higher than those that they had no close proximity to. Of course, these investors were shocked because they pride themselves on being specialists and analytical uh, to discover the differences and quickly slash their estimated profit for their original potential investments. 
So the outsider, uh, in fact, which has the broad perspective, has a completely different, um, greater thinking than the insider specialist. And in fact, in a number of businesses that I'm involved with, you know, there'll be an op an operating partner. And on the one hand, it, you might, you know, ask yourself and I ask myself, well, should I be getting more into the weeds of this particular business? But in fact, my greatest role as the outsider, in the same as my role with your practice, is not to know exactly the day-to-day. -day. Because if I did that, I'd be in your mind, right? My role is, in fact, to be from an outside perspective, thinking in a broad capability, and then be able to come in and kind of <laughs> throw these, you know, potential out of the blue ideas that on the inside are going to be very difficult to conceptualize and think about because of the day-to-day -day rigor, but that actually have the potential to be able to leverage it ahead. Same with the businesses that I'm involved with that have the operating partner. My goal is in fact, not to be in the day-to-day -day so that I can be able to think on a different level. And then my ideas could be totally off base or they could be the ones that are the game changers that drive it ahead. And of course, everything's collaborative. So the, so having a broad set of experiences gives you more of an outsider perspective than the specialist insiders. Got it? Great. And this is why, in fact, I find that so many of the ideas within our own profession are very closed ideas because they are only specialists from our own profession rather than from outside the profession. All my reading, all my associating are with entrepreneurs uh, that are, of course, completely outside of this profession, you know, on a world stage and world level. And this is what creates these new and different ideas. So it's my, uh, it's my yeah, uh, privilege to be able to partake in that. Number four, and this is very interesting, that again, the breadth of experience drives innovation. So not just ideas or perspective, but also experience. And so a uh, study from Michigan State University compared Nobel, Nobel Prize winning scientists to other scientists. The statistics showed that Nobel laureates are 22 times more likely to be an amateur actor, magician, dancer, or performer. <laughs> okay, so just to recap, normal scientist, Nobel laureate. Nobel laureate is 22 times more likely uh, to be uh, something completely on the opposite side of being a scientist, right? A magician. I mean, that's ridiculous compared to being a hardcore scientist or performer. I mean, it's creative. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's totally outside of the, the, the box from normal, you know, hypothesis, deductive reasoning. But in fact, this is what the data shows. It's not like twice as likely, it's 22 times more likely. So the takeaway for me in terms of advising others, even for myself, is to make sure that we foster and encourage these opposite side of, of hobbies and interests, you know, reading. And um, I was speaking to somebody who was speaking to a very creative, uh, successful entrepreneur, and they asked him what was the key difference. And they said, when I started to read, fiction, uh, in fact, gave me a totally different way of thinking, uh, thinking through it. And so this is kind of similar, we're getting outside of the specialty enables you to think differently. And this is where AI is not going to be able to compete. So very, very important for the future. Um, and the other point in this data is that experimentation is as reliable as specialization. So Tiger Woods, of course, is the specialist. When he could barely walk, he had a golf club and he was swinging it. Uh, Federer would be the opposite. He dabbled in many different sports beforehand. And then he really took up tennis late from a tennis perspective as a bit of an older child. Yet, of course, they both grew up to be uh, extremely proficient uh, in their sports. So being able to dabble and experiment, especially in a young age, 
I think makes a big difference. And for those that have kids and grandkids, my takeaway on this is in fact, when they're young, get them involved in multiple different sports, allow them to try these things. This will broaden their experience. And then probably once they get to a certain age around maybe maybe eight is a good good age, they start to really hone down on more of a specialty. But there's even one more step of this that I think is uh, important from my final putting this together in the end. And then finally, to be a specialist, you need to seek failure. So the the ex the experiment the the act of experimentation is what creates the learning, and that learning expands our range of experience. So. If we're not doing experiments within our own business, for example, then our experience is exactly the same because it's the same as it was yesterday as it will be in the future. The experiments by definition are different. It's a different experience. And that different experience is what's providing the, the, the breadth and range. So in other words, the generalist seeks to experiment and expects to fail in those experiments but those experiments are creating the learning, which is accelerating their development. And I've now seen this as a very clear and predictable pattern uh, that the most successful uh, practices in the elite group uh, are those, and you're on the, uh, on the call right now that are, are participants in this, that are constantly implementing and failing, right? Not all of these work, but over time, those that are doing that in the community are light years away. You know, you see the compounding effect um, three years, four years out, not only in their practice, but in their mindset than those that are simply not experimenting. And so just to uh, re reinvigorate that part of our community, which I'm so proud of, that this is in fact is what creates a generalist. So by doing this, you are on the path to being a generalist. So <laughs> that's the general framework. And so before I go with my kind of big takeaway from this um, and, and, and summary on it, I'd, I'd love to just kind of ping you real quick. Uh, v for value. What's been most valuable for you so far? Uh, I'd just love to be able to share that out really quickly. And, uh, and then we can go. What, what's been most, what's kind of an, one idea from this section so far that is either new or interesting or something that you want to keep, keep in mind so that it's not going to get, get lost uh, over time? Uh, what, what, what's one uh, piece of value uh, that you got? Just type it in real quick and then I'll be able to share it out. So David says, be willing to look around for ideas. Absolutely. And, you know, I would, um, I would actually challenge to, to pursue that. One of the easiest way is in, in fact, reading. In fact, being part of the elite community is exactly doing that. We're not, this is not a medical discussion. <laughs> this is not a medical discussion, right? This is not a, a discussion on inventory. All right, you know that, that there, there's a great time and space for that, but you know, that's a normal one discussion. What this is, and this isn't even a discussion about business. This is a discussion on thinking and how we can think in a greater way. And in fact, mentor others to be able to do it. This is exactly outside of the box uh, thinking uh, that we're partaking in. That's great. And you know what? Some people might say, oh, this is such a waste of time. Well, like, where's the practical aspect? They'd be a specialist. And they're right to a certain extent. But we know there's a longer game that, you know, what we learn in this 45 minutes together is going to stick, stick with us. And this has changed the way that forever I will advise, especially young folks, on what they should be doing in a certain stage of their life. So, you know, hugely impactful, really. Uh, Kathy says, the idea of having someone outside our business evaluate our business seems like a great idea. Yeah, super, super cool. All right, great. Uh, Leslie, uh, honing in on your creative side, absolutely essential. 
Absolutely. Uh, super. Cool. And my takeaway, now well, here's a quick, just quick summary. Specialization is only effective in specific fields. So let's not lump it all together. Uh, number two, that modernization is push, pushing us to think more abstractly. And so the old way of specializing is not uh, is an old way of, of thinking um, for an old world that did not have technology and AI. A narrow focus obscures your results. So very clear on that data. Breadth of experience drives innovation. Uh, this is really seen from the uh, from the Nobel laureate study. And to be a generalist, you need to seek uh, uh, failed experiments. So you need to seek to fail and not worry about it. Specialists are probably paranoid about failing uh, because they now have a specialty build up, but generalists are seeking out to fail. And I remember actually in university, uh, quite a high-end martial artist before university. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would have basically a fight club and it was in, in good faith and, you know, uh, good, good, good vibes fight club, but it was an open season to the entire university. Uh, and it's basically said, everyone knew, you know, if, if you're out there coming on a Tuesday and Thursday night, you know, bring your gloves and it's an open season, whether you did, you know, uh, karate or Thai kickboxing or uh, Taekwondo or jujitsu, like you come and, and do it. And my, every time my dream would be that someone would come in and lick, you know, lick, <laughs> lick my chop or not lick my chops, but just totally lick me, you know, uh, because I got to a point of a certain level and I, I, I sought the challenge and the achievement of being beaten rather than being kind of the top dog within this small little sphere. Um, and there were two guys, there were two guys that, that really, that, that pushed me, challenged me. Uh, one guy was a real, was a boxer, which was very good. I have a great respect for boxers. They're very fast. Another guy was a special forces, uh, Pakistani special forces who was a six foot three guy and, you know, was in the trenches uh, in, uh, I think in Lebanon uh, back in the day. And so he, he, he was serious. <laughs> I have a couple of chipped teeth to, uh, to prove it out. But um, I think that's great. You know, I think that that, that that mentality, we have to be doing that in our, in our practices as well, like seeking the failure point and, uh, and, and yeah, carry on. So my final takeaway from this is in fact the following. It's to become a polymath. And I think this fits exactly with what we've already done. So what is a polymath in particular? A polymath is a specialist in one discipline, but then adds a broad set of experience and learning for, uh, from other areas of life. So for example, on this call, you are a specialist on the medical side, right? And that's like huge. I mean, you've spent a lifetime pursuing it. You, you have an extremely high degree of medical knowledge application and decision-making. That's awesome, all right? That becomes your grounding mark. And then it's very important, and this is my role, and I take this on, to introduce you to these other concepts and ideas, whether it's on the investing side, it's on the, you know, the, the reading side. And, and over time, you then become this polymath figure. And that polymath figure can outcompete AI in the broad level thinking for the foreseeable future. In fact, so children, so my takeaway on this is that for children, what you want them to do is you want them to achieve a certain level of specialization in one area, probably quite young in fact, because we know that, for example, martial arts, I started when I was five years old and I was just light years ahead because I had that early specialization. However, in that specialization, you give them, you really focus on plugging them into these other experiences early on so that they have that breadth of, uh, yeah, of experience and knowledge uh, to be able to, to drive on. 
And I would also, I guess, challenge your, how does this translate to your team? I would highly encourage, and it's difficult because a lot of people don't read anymore, but encourage a some somewhat of a learning culture within your practice of either a monthly book club or quarterly book club, or even it could be a monthly watching a TED talk together, uh, you know, 18 minutes that will create this venue for your team to think outside of their normal day to day. And I think that will create more fulfilled people, quite honestly. And, and there'll also be a benefit from the way that everyone is thinking and collaborating together. <laughs> so we will uh, we'll do some quick closing thoughts on this, but then this will be a short one. You know, this again was less of a uh, focal, you know, application based and more of a strategic thinking based. But I think it's good to be able to mix and match these so that we're not just totally focused uh, on our day-to-day -day, uh, practices. So uh, very quick uh, closing thoughts. I'd love to pull off uh, a couple of folks here. And I see Leslie is here. So Leslie's in the house. I'd love to hear from you, Leslie. Cool. Hey, Leslie, you're here. If you can just uh, pull yourself off mute. Hey, Leslie, how are you doing? What's up? I'm doing awesome. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Everything's great. I, I really can't um, complain. Life is life is awesome. And I agree with you. I think I picked up on that piece about realizing how special we are as generalists, as opposed mm. to the specialists. When I started having so much contact with um, the gurus that be that, you know, for our referrals. And there is something to be said, I feel really happy that this is the path that I chose. Mm. Um, I will also note, I know that a lot of practices, whether they're general or specialty, have had their challenges over this last 19 months or so, but I do feel that the it has exposed the vulnerabilities in the specialist clinics that I use. There's only one that really seems to be to be thriving. The others, there's been massive exodus. And I think it all boils down to the fact, as you said, that they weren't used to the flexibility of bending mm. their thought processes. Mm. So now challenged, um, mm. it's almost like they've fallen apart, which is, mm. which is awful. Mm. But I think that's the excitement. I mean, this has been such a learning process, not only with DVM Elite, but with my staff and with, yeah. with my clients. Yeah. And being here in Ontario, we have cl clients from all walks of life, all yeah. parts of the planet. And it's just an amazing experience and embracing the, the reading piece, you mm -hmm. know, just having that. I think if we can still remember that we are sponges, we think of our kids as being the sponges of picking up everything. Those formative years are so critical. But I yeah. know so many people that really did not blossom until much later on in life. Yeah. And I'm talking even into their seventh decade. So I yeah. thought this was a really... Um, really thoughtful presentation and i think i hope everyone leaves here with a boost and mm. the courage to to face things with an open mind and yeah as you said don't be scared to fail because it just makes you that more resilient super yeah super absolutely uh super well said yeah awesome awesome thanks you know what i love what i love leslie is i love <laughs> I love finding myself doing something that I thought previously I would have never done. For example, just a while back, I was in transit. There was a book on a shelf. 
it was a nonfiction, uh, sorry, a sci-fi book. And I have no interest in sci-fi. I've never read sci-fi. I had a bit of, you know, a little bit of a, a gap, started to pick it up. And, oh, this is kind of interesting. And so now I'm slowly, you know, reading this, which is totally outside of my interest or ballpark. But I'm actually discovering that, yeah, it's a different way of thinking and it's kind of pushing me in a different direction. So I, I love, I love, <laughs> I love being a, a future self that I would never have expected myself to be. So cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, Leslie. Okay. So yeah. And uh, over to, uh, to David. Yeah. Hey, David, what's up? If you're, if you're there, you just pull yourself off mute. That would be awesome. Hey, David, what's up? Yeah. Uh, thank you. You gave uh, a lot of good food for thought. <laughs> and uh, the things that I was thinking about is that um, what am I missing uh, what what things that yeah. are on my horizon that I should be opening my eyes to and expanding my thought process on? And then also I was thinking, well, where do I go to, to find these new ideas? Uh, and, and of course, being here tonight is a good example of a, a yeah. place to go to find new ideas. And and you you gave some good examples of, of reading different books, uh, being a part of different groups where you can get new ideas. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't like failure. It's like you're telling me, it's like, okay, I need to go and be willing to fail more. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's probably true. I, ha I have a mindset that I need to yeah. change on that regard so that I can uh, grow and expand. So, yeah, yeah. it's good, good food for thought, Michael. Yeah, yeah, cool. And, you know, David, are, are you part of the, and um, I know this is the old name, but are you part of the book club? I am not. Well, if you, if you have an interest in it, um, no pressure at all. But if you have no an interest, in it, I um, I know they everyone loves like, well, let me just pull off Leslie because I know, Leslie, you're, you're in the book club. Um, could you just, just talk to those since we're on this subject of outside thinking and learning? Could you share a little bit about um, the, the, the work with Amy and just if you recommend it, not recommend it, what it's like and what the, what, if there's a commitment, what it's like, yeah, just talk it through, it'd be great. It, it really has been an experience unlike any other. And I've, mark my word, I've had a lot of experiences. Um, <laughs> but the, the bottom line is that, yeah, we, we focused a lot on the growth mindset. We focused on, you know, emotional intelligence and leadership. And then it just seems to morphed into even more abstract thinking and intentional thinking. And these are opportunities for discussion with not only staff, but with, with family, the people you love and, and with strangers. And, you know, without me having had my associate for very long, she honed in on the fact that, wow, I was really passionate about a few things. And she's actually asked me a couple of times to recommend books because she has a family member who's now in a role of leadership and is struggling. So mm. it's really, it's really allows you to take your imagine imagination and creativity to places you never thought you would. And out of it, I mean, just to hear the stories of some of my colleagues like Maura, she's investing all of her energy now in, in writing a book mm. and just the, the thoughts that come out of, of Diana and, and other people that are on the book club, it, it just opens your mind because we all have our own perception of what the truth is. Mm -hmm. And I would strongly encourage it, strongly. Mm -hmm. I think I always make a pitch practically at every opportunity I have. <laughs> cool. 
How's that, David? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you know, I'll just share. It. And if anybody's on on the line interested in it, um, uh, yeah, it's called the Leadership Challenge Network. Just 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 type that in. Uh, and basically, I believe Leslie, if, if I'm, it's a it's a book a month, basically, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so, what's interesting, and I, I can't I can't recall the I can't recall the what prompted me on this, but I was explaining to somebody that of all the successful entrepreneurs that I know and know well, uh, and they range from I mean I mean there's a there's a very high high end of that range. Every single one of them are avid readers, every single one. And in fact, most of the people that I know that are not successful entrepreneurs, or regular people are not readers. <laughs> so, you know, there's a very clear pattern going on that the, you know, those that are really doing things, and it's not about this money has no, you know, it's not about the money, but those that are really doing things on, you know, broad levels, have been learning, learning over time. And, and again, there's that study, very impactful study that they tried to identify what makes the most success, successful executives. And they controlled for everything, age, gender, education, pay, um, uh, you know, race, ethnicity, uh, geographic location, everything. And none of it correlated with the, the, the successful outcomes of the executives. And there was only one thing and it was that success, the most successful executives read 12 um, business books per year and 12 personal books per year. And that was the only factor. So it's, the data is super clear that the reading is how you learn uh, and grow. Cool. Awesome. Uh, thanks so much. And uh, Roger, over to you if you're there, buddy. Uh, just pull yourself off mute. I'd love to hear your closing thoughts. And then over to, uh, over to, uh, to Jamie if you're there. Hey, Roger, what's up? How you doing? Hey, good to, good to be here again. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some interesting thoughts, and I've actually been giving it a lot of thought. And like Leslie, I've run into a lot of issues with the, the various specialties that we deal mm -hmm. with um, from the practice. They've they've been just a nightmare. Um, you right. have a dog in heart failure, and they're telling you they're two months out to even right. to see them. So the, they're not they're not very flexible. They're not very adaptable. Um, we've had our our obvious share of of stress and issues and, and problems, but I guess I've kind of evolved on my own to be thinking that I, I'm, I'm sort of a specialist in generalization. Um, you know, right. I'm, I'm a general practitioner, but that is right. That is a worthwhile specialty too. And I, I'm kind Absolutely. of a, a rail car director, you know, I'm, I'm unhooking the various problems and, and shipping them yeah. off to where they need to be helped or, or yeah. uh, just uh, unloading them ourselves. And uh, that's been useful. I've tried to encourage everybody to, to um, really, really broaden out your, your attention a little bit, because I think some of our, our best ideas, some of our um, little key insights have been from observing completely unrelated things. You, you go to the gas station and you see mm. a clerk who's just absolutely connecting with the people who are there and, and what are they mm. doing and, and stopping mm. for a minute to pay attention to that. And mm. you know, what mm. can we incorporate mm. from that? Um, mm. 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 It, it starts to, 
as, as much as I want to say this, you know, wasn't on my radar um, when I entered vet school, it is all about the people and yeah. the connection with them at the end of the day. Yeah. And um, I really thought I was getting into a business where I didn't have to deal with people. <laughs> as we all did. <laughs> That's yeah. why we did it. We could have... Yeah. We could have done uh, anything. Yeah. So imagine my surprise. But um, yeah, it's 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 been an interesting ride. You know, when you when you look at that, when you um, see something completely unrelated to veterinary medicine, that geez, you know, that could really work. You know, here's here's somebody uh, at a fast food restaurant who is remembering people's names half an hour after he took their order. Um, mm -hmm. And saying goodbye to them as they're leaving by their name, um, mm. little things like that that just really strike me from time to time. Yeah, 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 super. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. And you know what? Even just listening to Roger go through his thought process and even the un unhitching of the rail cars and saying, I mean, I, I just I find this very just uh, intrinsically rewarding to be on this call listening to these conversations. So. Um, so th thank you very much, Roger, for sharing. Over to you, Jamie, uh, super briefly, and then we'll uh, we'll sh shut it down if you're there. Yeah, hey, Jamie, what's up? How are you doing? If you're there, oh, you there, Jamie? Oh, on a computer work. Okay, sorry, sure, sure, no worries. Uh, then over to Kathy. Hey, Kathy, you're there. What's up? If you can just uh, unmute yourself super quick, that would be great. Uh, hey, Kathy. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? What Hi are you there. thinking? Hey, what's so up? So I, I think this was a very interesting presentation and, and I just find it really interesting that, uh, and something that I've never really thought about before that having somebody from outside or, or visiting other places that are very different mm. from what we do could provide such insight into ways that we can improve our own businesses and practices. Very neat topic. Well, and, and, and you know, we, um, we were just sort of talking about this and this is just a brainstorming idea, but, you know, encouraging the cross visiting of our, of our elite community with each other so that you can go in and walk in and it's kind of like a brother or sisterhood, right? You know, it's like we operate on a bit of a different level than everyone else who's all scared and close-minded and, you know, we're, we're open and Hey, you know, take a look, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what I'm doing right. And tell me what's interesting that you see and to go and visit other practices around i mean COVID is a bit of an issue but um yeah go and visit other folks because then you know we all have the same in a way framework of thought thinking to a certain extent and so we can we can go and see oh man someone's really implemented this in an amazing way uh like the headsets you know uh for example or they haven't and then and then go out for dinner and have a great discussion on where they are with their practice and ideas what, what do you think about that kathy it's kind of a do you think that would be a worthwhile pursuit as an idea I do. I think it would be a really, really worthwhile pursuit. Yes. Hmm. Because the more, the more, the more that I've seen this, the more that I realize, you know, one is the ideas, you know, which I'm is part of my role. Two is having the team that implements that on your behalf as much as possible. That's a key part. Three is the community. The more that we can intermesh the third part, uh, I think the, I think the better. Uh, cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kathy. Well, thank you much, so much, everyone. And you know what? Again, we don't do these every time, but from time to time, I think this sort of deep level thinking. Uh, my goal is that, yeah, we're in this kind of business life mastery together, uh, including myself. And I, I really maintain uh, 
doing these, uh, both to share the ideas and for my own. It pushes me personally that each and every month I must go deep on a specific topic to be able to simplify and share it with you. So, so thank you for being my blood brothers and blood sisters on this. And um, yeah, just being on this crazy journey together. So, uh, so we're in it, we're in it together. And I'll connect David you to the book, uh, to the Leadership Challenge Network uh, for the book a month. Uh, and same with, uh, with uh, Kathy. And then yeah, it's just, it's all included in the program. So I think it's a good path to be able to pursue. Uh, and uh, thanks so much, Jamie, just for sharing about the pod. Yeah, and there, there is a podcast version. If for some reason that you, uh, you need to listen to this on the go, you can pull it up on the podcast. Okay, cool, guys. Um, <laughs> see you later. Uh, take care. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it soon. And Roger, I'm the dude who uh, crashed out on the steps trying to figure out my itinerary. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. Talk soon. Okay. Ciao. Bye. Want to keep the conversation going? Great. You can reach out to us directly or hit us up through our website at dvmelite.com. There's no need to go it alone. Our experts are here to help you implement the strategies and tactics mentioned in this podcast. Let's work together to make your dream practice a reality. 